The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, yo, yo! Welcome to another edition of NBA Today Hoop Ball Presentation. I'm your host Corbin Ford. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. And like I like to say, it's a Hoop Ball Presentation. So make sure to try to find folks at Hoop Ball on Twitter at Hoop Ball Tweets online hoop-ball.com. Uh, this is the second of our season outlooks. I still don't have a name for it, by the way. We're working on that as we go. But we're going to get there. But we're talking Boston, Boston Celtics, and I have good friend, uh, Twitter OG, uh, James Olis. What is going on, man? Thank you for coming on and talking Boston with me. What's up, man? Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Just out here enjoying the San Diego weather. It was like 75 degrees today. You know, I don't still have to wear a jacket. I heard I saw somebody say about, you know, pulling out coats somewhere across the country earlier today. And I had to think <laughs> to me, like, I'm like, what's a coat? I'm like, what is that? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember what those are. Must be nice, right? <laughs> exactly. Over here, I mean, Arizona, we, we, we in the fall-ish weather, but it's still a, a very nice uh, 85 over here. So I'm not complaining either on that end. But um, let, let's let's get to talking some Boston Celtics. Um, They had, an, uh, I guess, a pretty solid year by all accounts. I mean, I... Definitely looked at the East kind of going through Milwaukee. Boy, was I wrong. But, um, you know, Boston, uh, they fought admirably, went down um, in the, what, conference finals to Miami in six games. So yes, sir. That, that happened. But overall, um, it just given a, a brief rundown of where they had come. They just lost Kyrie um, last year or this past year in free agency. They kind of just totally turned the team over to Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Uh, and then to a, a lesser extent, Kemba Walker, who really was the, the replacement, the acquisition in that double sign and trade uh, kind of deal that sent Terry Rozier over to Charlotte. Uh, the Celtics finished 48 and 24. Uh, they were fourth in offensive rating, fourth in defensive rating, a pretty solid team altogether. Uh, they swept the 76ers, beat the Raptors in a seven game series, and then, of course, lost to the Heat. So, James, I guess the first question I got to ask you was like, in general, um, how would you describe their season review? Like highlights, lowlights. What did you think about Boston's 2020 year? Um, so I think I came into 2020. Uh, you know, it's all like all Celtics fans were kind of licking our wounds. Like right? you know, the whole Kyrie fiasco last season was such. The season before was such a uh, disappointment. Um, just the way they fizzled out. They never really coalesced. Uh, you know, guys were hunting for shots. Uh, you felt like the team with Kyrie and and uh, um, Marcus Moore and Mook Morris and 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 Terry Rozier like they didn't kind of like each other, you know. That's what it felt like. And you had, <laughs> yeah. you had Gordon Hayward trying to come back from his injury. He wasn't very good. So this season was basically uh, then Al Horford left last summer, and you know it, it seemed like it was, you know, sure you replaced Kyrie uh, and Al Horford with Kemba Walker, and that seemed like a pretty big step back. So everything this year was like a very positive very uh a very pleasant surprise uh that they you know they played that jason tatum took the step that he took forward jalen brown was like i figured he'd be better but i know it'd be this much better campbell walker was a perfect fit regular season um gordon hayward looked great so you know around december i was really just like i was pumped because all this was like foul money um so then of course the injury bug hit so uh, just a quick recap like overall i think it was a pretty good season 
for the Celtics. Uh, you know, very a lot of positives taken away, but they, you know, we also uh, saw that they have some holes and some things to work on, and obviously just bad luck played into it. Gordon Hayward breaking his hand, uh, you know, that he sprained his ankle at the, at the ankle at the worst time against Philly at the end of a game, and you know, missed, and he wasn't wasn't the same. So it was. Um, it, it, I feel like it was a very positive season. But when it was all said and done, they lose six games to the Heat. They, I feel like they left they left a little bit on the table, and you can see things they could have done different and better. Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, notably, I think if Jason Tatum shot just a little bit better from the field, I think in that conference finals matchup, his shot kind of escaped him at least from three. Um, and then the lack of a, a really good big kind of did them in, especially with the way Bam Adebayo was able to control um, most of that of that series. So that is definitely something I saw, but. In, in general, um, it was a really solid year for a Boston team that is kind of finding their way again. Um, you kind of see what the core is, especially around, uh, I would say, their their big three or or their – yeah, I would say their big three of J- Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kemba Walker. And, I mean, before we even get to the players, I want to ask you, I, I thought that Brad Stevens did an okay job coaching. I, I, I don't want to say he's overrated, but, like, I don't think he's, like, the, the great t- – t- tactician that like the general media make him out to be i think it's somewhere in the middle and then danny ainge as far as the front office and you know they obviously tried to swing for anthony davis last year that didn't work we saw what the aftermath of that was with him going to la and what they did but like what are your thoughts on the coaching staff in front office as we move into this offseason like like your level of faith what what you've considered about them in general am i kind of on to something or way off on how i feel about brad stevens kind of what's up with that yeah so i'm gonna say this um I think Brad Stevens is kind of getting a a bum rap a little bit because he basically coached like two or three different teams this year. They started off the season with Kemba Walker as the as the guy, you know. Jalen and, and Jason did a good job of, you know, they're finding their ways and, you know, and then Jalen uh Jason Tatum really took off and Kemba kind of took a step back. That's that was like team number 2 with no Gordon Hayward, right? December, late December Gordon went out. I believe. And so now that's team number two, no Gordon Hayward, uh, you know, Jalen, Jason Tatum took off early in, in like somewhere in January. And then Kemba Brown went, Kemba went down, you know, he was having the knee issues. So, and, and Jalen and Jalen Jason pretty much kind of took over. And so that was team number three. And in the playoffs, obviously Jason Tatum was the guy. So, um, sure. Brad Stevens probably was a little overrated. I think a couple years ago, <laughs> Uh-huh. But again, this team wasn't expected to be in the conference finals this year. Look at all the preseason declarations. Like, so if you you can't, I, I have a hard time calling him overrated, Brad Stevens being Brad Stevens. When like, look at all any any uh, prognostications from last summer. No one no one predicted that the Celtics were going to go to like be you know a couple a, a game away from the finals. So, yeah. um, and then even even so, like to uh, they got past a really good Toronto team that a lot of people had said were going to go to the finals. They it, but then you look in game. So I, I'm this is why I kind of agree with you because you look in game like they, there was it's it's unacceptable that they were down 2-0 to the to the Heat. But then again, bad luck coming into play. If Gordon Hayward's healthy, that's a whole different series. You know, if he's if he's if he's not trying to come back from you know being out for six weeks, it's a whole different series. Um, it did take them a while to figure out that zone. That was pretty aggravating, and that's where Brad Stevens started got calling the question. But like Brad Stevens was saying all the exact right things. Hey, guys, attack the zone. Attack the middle. Get into the paint. And the, the Celtics just weren't doing it. Sooner or later, like, you got to start you – know, are you blaming the players or the coach? Because, I mean, after those first two games, 
the Celtics, in fact, even through the first four games when they were down, like, you know, or they're down 3-1 or whatever, uh, they actually, like, had been leading, like, 70% of the series or some nonsense. So um, it, it just goes to show you, and this is where I say, you, you, like, this, the season was good, but so many things left on the table. Valuing possessions is so important, and the Celtics don't really do that. Um, being aggressive is so important, and a lot of times Celtics don't do that. But you got to remember this. Jalen Brown is 23. Jason Tatum's like 20, you know, 21, 22. Like, so you're, you're, you're putting a lot of these players, as you should. They're so talented. But this is still a very young team. Kemba Walker is not going to become seven foot overnight. You know, he's, he's 5'11", 6 foot. Yeah, that was a real big weakness. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, uh, as, as far as Ainge is concerned, I – I think Brad Stevens, you know, this is going to be a big season for him coming up, but I still have a lot of faith in him. And like Ainge has been, I think he's been, you know, I think eight out of 10 times he's made, he's winning any trade. He's making the right place. So I get it. I don't think Anthony Davis was the right move. I don't think moving from Paul George was the right move. And I think that's kind of been borne out by where those guys have ended up. And, you know, from the thing they're saying now, like Anthony Davis, he was going to be a, a, a Laker no matter what, either this year or next year, you know, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I, I'm still I still have a lot of faith, and I'm still enjoying the ride. I get you. I I mean, you made a good point, especially in regards to some of the plays that hey, you can't place on Brad Stevens, and also the fact that you're right. I mean, a lot of uh, pundits at the beginning did not really consider Boston as someone that was you know uh, they were in the mix, but in the mix like any other team, like the Raptors were, like the 76ers were, and maybe not even to that level. That, that, like other teams that we mentioned in the East were for making it, you know, Eastern Conference Finals bound. So I guess in some ways, yeah, it, it's more nuanced to it than I initially considered. So that that was definitely interesting. But looking at the players under contract, and really, I mean, Boston's returning most of their team. Um, uh, coming into next year, Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Marcus Smart, Daniel Tice, Romeo Langford, Vincent Poirier, um, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Carson Edwards, and Javante Green will all be returning. So I figured, you know, we keep it kind of general. Uh, we could just talk about in whatever order and whatever amount of time you want as far as just the top five since they really got the lion's share of the minutes and, like, just they were mostly the Celtics. And then we can kind of go into um, the rest of the guys and then kind of get our way down to uh, the free agents. But, like, between – let's start with the big guns. Between Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum, let's start with Walker coming through – from Charlotte, I think that he was a stabilizing force for them. Uh, he definitely meshed a lot better than Kyrie did while, you know, replicating some of that offensive attack. Um, injuries did hamper him throughout the season, and you're right, defensively, he was a liability, none more so than in the playoffs later. But, like, what did you think overall about Kemba's addition and even looking forward? Because you have him for a couple more years, and, you know, he is 30 at this point already. Do you see him kind of transitioning into uh, kind of a bench role for the Celtics? Do you think he'd be another serviceable starter for years to come? Like, What's your thoughts on Kemba Walker with the Celtics? Okay, so I hope Celtics fans don't get mad at me here because I love Kemba Uh-oh. Walker in Boston. No, I loved him in Boston. Seriously, uh-huh. he was a, such a pleasant surprise. He like regular season he provided every bit as much production uh, as Kyrie did without all of the headaches and the histrionics and like the extra, you know, uh, third eye Illuminati nonsense. <laughs> um, so honestly, like, look, if I, I get it, Kyrie's a superstar, and Kyrie has made big shots in the biggest moments. He's earned a championship, and he carries himself as such. So with Kemba, you get ninety percent of that production with you know eighty percent less of the of the of the superfluous BS, and that was a really pleasant surprise. Um, now that being said, we saw that Boston 
against Toronto. You know, they ran the box of one, and Kemba was pretty much, you know, uh, he was very ineffective against Toronto. Then against the Heat, he just, you know, he, he was getting swallowed up by the long defenders. He was he was having trouble getting a shot off. And so, like, a player like Kemba is an all-star. He's, he's a certified all-star. Like, he's going to give you 20, 25. But, like, just from this evidence we've seen, when you get against the toughest defenses in the, in the most high-pressure, like, high-leverage moments, Kemba Walker was, at times, a liability. Right, let's just be, let's call it what it is. And if that's the case, moving forward, when you got a suit like a stud like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, these two wing studs, every team wants that. You got um, and we can say what you want about Daniel Tice. We'll come back to this later, but that was like one of the key parts of last summer when they said, "Oh, Al Horford's gone. Boston's going to be terrible on defense." Daniel Tice yeah. was, a, was was a strong defender, and like that's he's a big reason that Boston was a top four defense in the league this year. Like that, that was not supposed to be a strong point for them. So you know, um. I get it. People say, you know, well, look what Bam did. Well, Bam was an all-star this year. All right. So you didn't have somebody who stopped an all-star, you know? Um, so, yes, Kemba is uh, – I want Kemba. I love what he brings to that team leadership-wise and energy-wise as far as in the locker room. But at the same time, if Boston – my rational brain says if Boston wants to be a championship contender, how can they be both a contender and pay Kemba – 30 plus million and have him on the floor against the Jimmy Butlers and the, you know, the, even the Jay Crowders is the long defenders. And then against a guy like Tyler hero, who just, you know, they, he kept losing this guy. Mm. Kevin kept losing his defender. And like, you know, that, that's a big reason that Tyler hero and, uh, and Duncan Robinson kind of got loose because Ken was on the court, you know, and the Jimmy Butler would pull a mismatch, get a switch and, and, and just destroy him in, in, in the lane. So, it's tough, man. It's really tough. And I said this right after the the the, the East Conference Finals, when people thought I was like, "Oh, you're just being overdramatic." But I'm like, "Hey, man, I love Kemba, but if Boston's saying that they want to be a serious contender, they can't have a, a net minus on the floor for t- 30 minutes a game." So, um, I I definitely like Danny Ainge is kind of a a, a, a ruthless kind of uh, deal maker, and I get it. I get it after the Isaiah Thomas thing. After you know Jay Crowder and, and Gordon Hayward, it it would it would be a bad look for them to say, oh, when you're a Campbell, here's your contract. Now we're gonna move you because we, I, I get it, I get it. On one side of it, it's a bad look. But another side of it is, hey, are you trying to win? Are you trying to to make you know? Are you trying to score score points as far as fandom? So, yes, Campbell's yeah. Campbell's great. That kind of money. And we just we just saw like he he was a big reason that they lost to the Heat. So I don't know. Yeah, it, it's weird because you you say that and I agree. It's like on on the one hand he played well in the regular season, but the the weaknesses deficiencies were there. They obviously aren't going to get better as he ages because that just doesn't work that way. Um, and we're already kind of seeing yeah, not a not a full step, but I'd say a slight step kind of broken on Kemba. And you're right, he's someone that you rely on. He had his third best shooting uh season from deep. Or, yeah, his third best shooting from deep on the most threes he's ever attempted, you know, in a year. But at the same time, you, you mentioned his flaws, and they're apparent, and they won't be fixed soon. So whether Danny makes a move or not is going to be telling, and you're right. Like, if you're trying to compete, which the Celtics are, then you want to get better, and you don't want to have, like you said, that a negative there at the same time. And granted, I don't think Anthony Davis is going to go with the Celtics either way, but we saw what Anthony Davis's father said about Boston and how it was noticed how they treat Isaiah Thomas. And so if you get that sort of reputation, now whether that is 
real or kind of imagined and blown up in terms of the reaction from the Davis camp remains to be seen. But if free agents are looking at that, you know, it's not like Boston's like L.A. where, like, you know what, I got to go there regardless of the situation. No, it, that really does make a difference to people. They're like, oh, you're just going to throw me out as soon as you think I'm, I'm, you know, I'm no good to your your mission. Like, I'm not a value as a player or whatever I'm being added to. Like, that might be something that can play a role. But regardless of that, I agree. Like, I, I might look at Kemba Walker as for another person this year. I mean, he'll be entering his 30 season. But, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm with you. There's some definite question marks there moving forward. But um, let's talk about two guys who are, are pretty cemented as far as uh, Celtics' long-term core, at least in my opinion. Um, Jalen Brown is one, and Jason Tatum is another. Um, Jason Tatum had a bl- had a blow-up year, especially in February, where he just exploded, um, got a lot of attention, was just on fire. But Jalen Brown, in my mind, also did just as much, you know, developing his game, becoming a lot more confident um, as an on-ball uh, creator, and, and and adding that to the great defense that he's had. And the two of them really powered the Celtics alongside a uh, uh, Walker and, and to a lesser extent Hayward. What did you think about those two guys um, and, and how they did, you know, pretty much the season and then, you know, where their shots kind of escaped them, at least to a great extent, um, Tatum's in the Eastern Conference Finals? So um, I, I call these two my – these are two out of my three large adult sons. And I also include Marcus <laughs> Smart. Okay. I include Marcus Smart in this because – so for Jalen Brown, to me, Jason Tatum, to me, is, I guess he's he's on track. He seems like he's on, on track to be a top ten type player right yeah. Tatum has the size he has the the shot he has that uh he he even had you no know, he, he had big moments and sure he didn't shoot great against the heat but he kept attacking he is uh he averaged like I think I, I tweeted this so that he averaged like 27 10 and like six assists against the Miami Heat like that's you know that's incredible we did see some some warts like he had that scoreless first half for whatever reason. He had a scoreless first. He just he had some some rough starts, but he he bounced back and like he he, he never quit attacking and he still was you no know, not afraid to take big shots. Mm-hmm. So he has a lot of growth still in him. Uh, he's incredible though. Uh, I I still just think back and see all this is still kind of like a long victory lap, even though we haven't won anything yet. Because <laughs> no, because look, hey. Uh-huh. Philly trade Philly could have had him. Philly traded that tra- they traded back to get him and gave up another asset to That's get true. freaking Markel Fultz. You know what I mean? When the Celtics and you know yeah. maybe it's maybe this revisionist history, but you no, know, Ainge like hey, we this sort of like guy the whole time. We, this is who we wanted. Um, so there's that. Uh, he's he he took a leap that more than I thought he would take. My thing was Jalen Brown. I've always liked Jalen Brown's game. I even wrote about him a little bit when he was a rookie. Uh, he's such a raw athlete, but he always he just seems like he had something. And a lot of people were uh, a lot of smart basketball people were just like, yeah, we'll see, whatever. He didn't seem to they're looking at his advanced numbers, and his advanced numbers are great, but mm-hmm. the, the physical tools aren't on Jason Tatum's level, but they're close. I think he's a he's a better athlete than Tatum. Um, he's a, a stronger on-ball defender than Tatum. And he's 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 grown more than Tatum has grown from year one to now because, you know, hey, he, he was he, he was just a, you know, a off the bench spot spot starter for his first year. And then second year he had to come off the bench again. So he will, um, you know, his rookie season, he kind of or his second year when him and Jason Tatum kind of blew up in the playoffs. Then they had to take a back seat to Kyrie. You know, people questioned his game and his and how he would. But he's 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 awesome. He he should have been all star last year. Uh, this sex this next season, I think after seeing again having a big playoff, like he's had three really good playoff runs, and this year he was great. Uh, I think he was at times like the best player on the floor against the Heat. 
So, yeah, Jalen Brown has been my guy. I, I love his game. If he gets – I keep saying this. I love Tatum. Tatum's a better player. I can say that. But if they if they traded Tatum, I, I'd like that. Eh, that's crazy. They, you know, they must trade him for like a top five player or whatever. They trade Jalen Brown for whatever. I, I'm I'm switching teams. <laughs> Just like that, really. That's that's it. That's it. that's <laughs> my guy, man. That's my guy. And like he got his contract last summer, and people were poo pooing it and laughing about how much money he got. And by the end of the season, it looks like he's he might be underpaid. So um, yeah, just the NBA is all about. I think I think we've seen this, and it may be shifting a little bit, but having a wing who's versatile can guard fours, threes, and twos, and some ones who can handle and can make his own shot. Uh, create his own shot and shoot, uh, do, you know, catch and shoot. That's what Jason Tatum and Dylan Brown can do. That's such a valuable thing. And they have two of them. And they could have had three of them. But Gordon Hayward was, you know, in and out with injuries. And that's just, you know, it's bad luck in the NBA. So, uh, yeah, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think almost any team, like, think about it. Like, like you look at the Lakers, right, and the Clippers obviously have those two wings. But, you know, past those two, there's very few duos you would say, all right, that duo is definitely – I would take them for the next five years, right? You'd say maybe like Luca, maybe Luca and Chris Dapps. You know, Chris Dapps has an injury issue, right? That's the issue right there. So there's very few teams outside of like a LeBron James and a and Anthony Davis and you know maybe Paul George and, and Kawhi that you would say I definitely would take these two players for the next six years over Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Yeah, I get you. It's it's it, it's hard to find a tandem that you would say, okay, you know what? Yeah, and and you mentioned it already. Jason Tatum basically going to superstar. I'm kind of overshadowed Brown's own rise. And you said like a parent who's kind of looking at the kids. I would imagine that Jalen Brown would kind of be that middle child in that way because, you know, he he, he matured into a three-level score. Um, I think this is a statistic I pulled from one of the reviews I was reading about. Like one of the six players to um, – and I hate these kind of random ones, but I'm just going to go for it anyway because why not? I need some stats. Um, shot over 40% from the field in the second half of the season, at least 30% from deep while taking five threes per game. And, you know, he was becoming somebody that was not only really going and realizing how to utilize his just great physical gifts, but was also creating his own offense at a more consistent rate, Um, you know, was rising the pull-ups more. He was second in field goal percentage on the team. Um, His handle got a lot better. It wasn't, you know, it's not great, but it got to a point where he could um, create more separation. And with that improved uh, off the dribble game, I mean, he had more success. So, those two, in general, in addition to his strength on defensive end, um, I think it, it raised Jalen Brown to another level. And then also, like you said, Jason Tatum, the one that you'd be hard-pressed to find another duo, especially with their age, that you look at and you go, you know what, yeah, um, I'll take those guys over these two because they're going to grow into something special. And you're right, if they're not separated, uh, knock on everything because those two are, are really good um, in, in tandem between swinging the two and the three, the three and the four, you know, long-term, they, they have a future there. But um, let's talk about the two other guys that kind of rounded out the starting five, uh, especially in the playoffs. Do me, do, me, do me a favor real quick. Let's, yeah. t- let's, let's spend 60 seconds. Okay. And let's let's see. Would you take Luca and Chris Stapps for the next six years over Jalen and Jason? Ooh, that's a good one. So, like, oh, that's good, huh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, because Luca, I, 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 I wasn't a big Luca guy coming in. He's proved yeah. himself. He's uh-huh. obviously MVP candidate, and so I, if you say, "Oh, him over Tatum, easy," I just I, I, I wouldn't argue with that. But then you look at Jaden, Jalen, and you look at Chris Stapps, who's injury prone, and it's a question. 
It is. That's true. Because you're right. On like a player to player, if I'm right, okay, even, I'm going to extend it even further. If we're ranking those four players, I mean, in my mind, I, I did the same. I definitely um underrated Luka. I would take Luka first, I think, and I'm splitting that one out with Jason Tatum. If that's not a 1-1-B, then I would I, uh, I want to say Luka and then Jason Tatum, even though like Tatum had more long-term success this postseason, but Luka just in general. Uh, Luka's younger. I'm going to go Luka, Tatum, Brown, and Porzingis, right? Is that how you would, would go? Honestly, when you factor in Porzingis' injury history, that's where I'd have to go because I get Porzingis is at 7-3 with his kind of shooting can be like, you know, he's this is nickname is Unicorn for a reason. But, again, he just had surgery again. You know, mm-hmm. so I, uh, I don't know, man. He's, that, he's That's a good one, though. Um, and then well, let's think. I, I can't think. Of, I'm trying to think of another duo that you know. Again, outside of LeBron, and then the Kawhi duo. Trey was, Young and John Collins. No, I, I would easy. not even. Yeah, not even close. Um, <laughs> who, who else? Um, See? Yeah, you're right. I'm trying to think of another young group. I mean, the thing is, like, most of the duos that are coming to mind are like older guys. You know, like even I mean, like Kyrie and Durant, or like you know, like I the, the you upper say, tier. I guess you could say Booker and uh, like Michelle Bridges or him and Ubre or something, but like I I would take Jalen and Jason over them, you know, or him and DeAndre I guess DeAndre Ayton, but I'd still take Jalen and Jason I think so. You yeah, even seem to have good battles against the Clippers, and again that's another more established duo between Kawhi and Paul George, but like the way Paul George played this postseason, I mean I don't know I don't want to go too reactionary there, but yeah that's that's a good one to go on. I'm trying to think in my head about duels that could possibly match up with that and I'm none are coming to mind uh okay here's one Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid I, I would see again because uh, I get it um I still think Jason over Ben Simmons and uh, yeah Embiid's awesome again the injury stuff the weight stuff you know like as good as Ben Simmons is I always feel like he leaves us wanting a little more and not Ben Simmons uh Joel Embiid is he wants us leaves us wanting a little more Mm-hmm. The, the injury stuff, the, the 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 lack of conditioning, like he's great. I get it, and you know I think he might be the best out of. See, and in that series, he wasn't the best player. J- Jason Tatum was. So, True. so like, yeah, I I wouldn't take Ben Simmons and Embiid over Jalen and Jason. I mean, like Jalen Jason been the East Coast Final twice in their in their young career together, as as the two like leading scorers. What is, you know, what is Ben Simmons and Embiid are still trying to, you know, get to the conference final. So, <laughs> yeah, they're trying to find out, work out the kinks and right. their own like severe weaknesses. Yeah. Or I guess the, I, I'm sorry. Did they, did they they lost to they lost to Kawhi and the Raptors <laughs> in the conference final, didn't they? Uh, last two. Yeah. Yeah, they did. OK, so, yeah. OK, so, yeah, I, I still go. So that, that I'm sorry. That was a little aside there. But um, uh-huh. so that's let's a good one, out though. To, yeah, yeah. Just, okay, because I hadn't I hadn't put that in context like that, so I appreciate that. Because like I look at those like yeah Hayward and Brown uh, Tatum and Brown, but when you look and you go okay, but evaluating that duo since that's where the NBA's kind of gone to now against other ones, where do you rank them? And they're pretty darn high, and that's not something that you kind of think of offhand. So yeah, I think that was uh, 60 seconds well spent. But um yeah, let's go down. I mean we're not gonna spend a lot of time on the bench pieces unless you got some particular strong opinions about uh, Carson Edwards. But before we even get to them, um, Marcus Smart and Daniel Tice, I feel like two solid guys who really helped the team um, in general, uh, maybe might have been a little underrated in certain parts, at least for Tice, in my opinion. But what did you think of those two? Uh, Marcus Smart, again, a lot like a lot like Jalen Brown, because, you know, he was drafted here and he was a sixth pick. He was a little bit maligned. He never, 
you know, come off the bench all his career and people were saying, you know, he's not, I don't think people would call him a bust. I think a lot of people just kind of forgot about him outside of Boston. But, you know, he, he's been such a strong defender all this time. And now the last couple of seasons, three point shot is really. Marcus Smart was literally the worst shooter, like volume shooting three pointer in history <laughs> up until like two years ago. Like, seriously, I think he was like, he was somehow he had all these threes taken, but it was shooting like 27% from the from three or whatever. And in the last couple of seasons, he really turned around and it's become a, a positive weapon for him. So, yeah, I, 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 yeah a lot like Jalen Brown, like if, if they traded Marcus Smart, I, I'd have a hard time watching Boston because that's how much I love him. I, Brad Stevens quote, the quote right from Brad Stevens, I love him and I trust him. And that's like that echoes every Celtics fans sentiment about Marcus Smart. Now, I got to I got I to take my blinders off, though, and say. Marcus Smart having too big of a role with Gordon Hayward out is another reason that the Celtics lost. Uh, we talk about value and possessions. Marcus Smart taking a three with 18 seconds left on the shot clock late in a, a playoff game is the same as a turnover. As much as we love him and, you know, he, he does like those big shots. Like he did that a couple of times against the Heat. You know, they're coming back or it's a close game and he comes down, he fires up a three, you know, contested off the dribble three yep. on the shot clock. He come back down and score, and now you're behind the eight ball. And it happened a couple times where he hijacked the offense, and it didn't have to be late in games. He did a couple times early in games, but like every position matters. So I don't blame him. It's almost like a case of, uh, you know, how you left your steak out on the table and your dog ate it. Sure, your dog shouldn't have ate it, but like that's just a dog. That's what he's gonna do. Mark Smart's not a dog, but like he takes those crazy shots, and he's in the game, and mm-hmm. he did it sometimes when he shouldn't have done it. Like that's what's kind of what he does. So, um. That was, again, a function, the Gordon Hayward injury, man, because if he's back in his normal role off the bench, you know, you play him a little. You got Gordon Hayward playing a lot of his minutes, too, and he, then he, he doesn't have such a big role. And he's not he's not he doesn't feel empowered to do these things kind of, you know. So um, Marcus Smart's wow. awesome. You know, I think he, he, you know, he made all defensive team this year. Uh, he I think he had like a career high in points and playoff. His playoff run was really good. He, he showed a lot. He showed the world kind of what he's capable of. I just hope next season, I'm curious to see, because, well, you know, one way or another, they're going to kind of get him back in the box where he's, you're off the bench and you're playing a small role. I want to see how he, he goes back into doing that after this this long playoff run. So but I love Marcus Smart, and he's, uh, I think, any, any people talk about him and his flopping, but any anyone would be, be happy to have him on his team. <laughs> For real. I mean, that's exactly how I feel about it, too. Like, I used to get sick of it. And, and you described his offensive game down to a T because there was a few shots in that Miami season. I'm like, whoa like even if like someone more established in the Celtics hierarchy like Kemba Walker or Jason Tatum took that shot I would have been like ah, that's kind of early dog in the clock you know but then it's like Marcus Smart who while markedly improved from three is not like Kyle Korver JJ Redick or, or Jason Tatum or Kemba Walker off the bounce is taking that you know in moments where you need to really value that possession it, it does make you go like okay that, that that's not smart but at the same time it's like you take the good and the bad that comes with smart because of the passion and the energy he plays with, the defensive acumen that he has, and the fact that he's made himself a pretty decent shot maker now, you know, that he's not a total liability that he was, like, let's say, the 2017 um, NBA playoffs, you know? Yeah, but there was a couple games of playoffs that you can look at it where, like, there's no excuse for him taking more shots than, uh, you know, than Jalen Brown or, or Jason Tatum or Kemba, and he had a couple games where he was, like, the leading or second highest shot total guy on the team. That's just, that's unacceptable. So hopefully, you know, Brad Stevens, him and, him and Brad Stevens have a really good rapport that they'll be able to get in sync next season. 
uh, and something that's kind of under under talked about was uh, his defense wasn't great in the Heat series because he was, I think, he was hunting the first shot too much. He actually yeah. kind of like flipped a little bit. So, but um, yeah, Marcus Smart, he can almost do no wrong in my eyes, but I did see he got slipped up. Yeah. <laughs> There you go. You, you calling it like you see it. You know, I get it. I understand. I'm totally with it. And then as far as Tice, uh, I thought he did a good job. Uh, uh, another solid uh, big uh, kind of underrated for what he gave Boston at the end. You know, he he held up well against Joel Embiid, didn't hold up too well against uh, Bam Adebayo. But in general, seemed to be a guy who kind of fit what Boston was doing. The fact that he spaced the floor a little bit. Um, he did good rebounding. I thought he was another, you know, he's not a long-term piece of their core. If they could get an upgrade, I'm sure they will. And I, I think in Robert Williams, they may have one, maybe Grant Williams as well. But like for who he is as a player, I think he fit perfectly for what Boston is, uh, is and it was trying to do. Yeah. And let's circle back to the Brad Stevens talk where that might be one thing I ding Steve, ding Stevens on to. He, he leaned a little too heavily on, uh, Tice in the fight in that Eastern Conference finals when he was obviously overmatched. Like, yeah, Bam was just abusing him. And he probably should have stayed a little longer with Grant Williams and uh, Robert Williams. But I get it. You know, it's it's hard to trust young guys in big moments like that. But, yeah, Tice, Tice he wrote, he gambled and lost that last one. I remember Grant Williams was doing a great job. Celtics was up like six, and they brought Tice back in, and Bam immediately attacked him and, like, kind of kind of changed the whole momentum of the game in that game six. So, um, But, yeah, stay on Tice again. Very few centers are going to just destroy him. Uh, and every time he gets destroyed, that one time people hold up to see Boston needs a center, ignoring the other 90% of the time when he's just what they needed. You know, uh, his numbers were very comparable to, to uh, Al, Al Horford the year before, statistically. Uh, and he, I think people don't understand he was a defensive player of the year overseas before he came here and played in the NBA. Like, and it shows he's a smart defender, he's a good team defender, uh, pretty good, pretty decent shot blocker. Uh, I think he he might got fatigued in the playoffs, right? That's a long grinding playoff run, the bubble. So, yeah. but I, yeah, I think he's probably better suited maybe as a backup. But even as a starter, he was he was more than fine in ninety percent of possessions. But same thing with Kemba though, right? If we're gonna say that against the top, top competition, you can't be better than ninety. You have to be better than everybody if you try to win a championship. And maybe he's not. Maybe he's not a championship level center. And so Boston still has work cut out. I feel on that for sure. And I think that's the best way to describe him. Um, you know, he was solid. Uh, the general media fan definitely wants to overlook, you know, like you said, the state contributions he gave night in and night out and just focus on the four or five, you know, big ones. But I think you take that on the one hand and go, hey, he was a very dependable player, but also saying that, hey, you know, an upgrade down the line is going to be eventually needed. But uh, moving on from him, uh, between uh, Romeo Langford, uh, Vincent Poirier, Grant and Robert Williams, Carson Edwards, Javante Green, uh, the bench core. Uh, a lot of uh, two of the guys we're going to get to in terms of free agents um, that played more of a role. But of those guys, is there any like particular strong thoughts you have on any of them? Uh, I like Robert Williams, but, you know, I like Robert Williams a lot. Uh, I mm-hmm. think he's probably a little further away than we 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 might know as far as for being a, like an everyday contributor. But he showed the flashes, I think. If he uh, they get him to lock in and mentally, his his everything with him is going on the mental side of the game. Physically, yeah. I think he's right right now. Sure, he's skinny, but he seems like he's pretty strong. He doesn't get bullied too much, except for like you know the beads and the yokics. But yeah. Uh, yeah, he he just has to learn the game, and I get it for two things that are hard for the in the NBA: learning how to play center defensively and learn how to run up offense as a point guard. Those are probably two of the hardest things in the NBA, and so he has he has ways to go. Um, I really like Grant Williams too. 
So I think those two basically are going to be key rotation pieces going forward. Maybe Robert Williams a starter. Grant Williams, to me, is almost like a power forward version of Marcus Smart without the intensity, but he does a little everything. He's versatile. <laughs> he's smart. He, he seems like he's going to be a key piece. My thing is that now uh, Vincent Poirier is about as good as gone, I think. Um, you know, he's a fun story. Uh, Javante Green, I think, is about as good as gone just because, you know, they just have a dearth of, I mean, they, they just have a, a, a surplus of wings and they probably can't afford to pay him. Um, yeah. So and this is where the the Achilles heel showed up in the playoffs. Carson Edwards and also Tremont Waters, right? These are two uh, guards that they drafted, you know, last year. I think Tremont was a two way guy. They're just so small. Yeah, and, he was. Right? Yeah, he was two way. So, they, but they're both so small. And with Tremont, I think it's less of a problem because he's telling he was a strong uh-huh. defender. Uh, Carson puts the effort in, but like both of them, if they're not making shots, they're useless. Right, because neither one of them was like a Tremont's more of a, a, a of a playmaker and a, 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 a kind of a quote unquote true point guard, but Carson was brought in to, was drafted to make shots and he just couldn't make shots. So, um, and it really shows. Boston needs a shooter off the bench. That's a big thing they need. They need somebody who can shoot off the bench. And right now they don't have that. Um, you know, so uh, yeah, sure. You, I mean, maybe Carson becomes something. Maybe not. Maybe Tremont becomes something or not. Uh, and then, like, the only one I think really has stayed, like, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, and then I haven't talked about Romeo Langford, who, again, bad luck, man. He he showed a lot of signs. He, sh- he, was a, he was a surprisingly good defender. He came in the league known as a scorer, you know, a scorer in college. But uh, he came in as a – seemed like a smart, really strong defender. And he seemed like he could have really helped. But he got hurt at the wrong time. So uh, I really like Romeo Langford. Uh, but other than that, yeah, Boston has to find some production off the bench as far as offensively. Yeah, I agree, and that's going to be that's the weakness, the Achilles heel, like you said, all year. And speaking of that, I mean, we can go kind of from that to uh, the potential free agents, uh, to one of which I, I think will most certainly come back and was really a member of the bench uh, full-time um, in Gordon Hayward. And the others uh, that were, um, this is free agents now, and his Cantor was a $5 million player option, um, Semi Ozile, and then their main backup guard, Brad Wanamaker. So out of those guys, I mean, we kind of talked about Gordon Hayward a little bit, but we can continue. I know. I think he's going to pick up that player option. I, I that would probably be wise for him, right? In this market. Um, I agree, right? I thought so too. But I was actually listening to uh, another podcast, which we shall not name because you are the podcast that matters right now. But oh, um, man, I appreciate you could have said. <laughs> no, our guy um on Twitter's uh-huh. name is his name is Danger Cart. Um, I can't remember his real name. Sorry, sorry, homie. But he made a good point that uh this this year because of the fact that you normally players uh, get their 90% of their contract and then the NBA puts 10% of their contract in escrow. And at the end of the year, uh, according to the, how much the, the, the BRI is, that's probably the income, they'll either get a 10% back or they might get 12% or they might get like 8%. This yeah. year coming up, they're probably, you know, most likely going to take 25% of their contract and put in escrow and th- or, or 30% and say, uh, tell the players, hey man, you don't bank on getting this back this year. So the the point he made was, if that's the case, Gordon Hayward, do you want to lose 20 percent of thirty four thousand? I'm sorry, thirty percent of thirty four thousand, mm-hmm. uh, thirty four million, or do you want to lose, you know, thirty percent of if you opt out this year and take a three year sixty five million dollar deal? Like, so you get more money long term, you lose less money this season, mm-hmm. and so I don't know, it's something to think about. But obviously for Gordon Hayward. 34 million is 34 million. 
you take that chunk of money and you, you know, as a professional basketball player, you think I'm going to play well this next season. I'm going to earn another big contract. So, um, yeah, for Gordon, he's probably going to opt in. And if that happens, though, then there's a good chance that Boston has to move him or else lose him for nothing next summer. So that's something they got to think about. Um, who's the other guy you're talking about? The other oh, agent? so, uh, yeah, well, the other one, the player option is Ennis Cantor. Now, I thought that was a lot more interesting because I feel like he might be the type of guy, personality-wise, that thinks he's worth more than that option. But, like, I think this is the wrong market to have a big with the weaknesses that Cantor has and the inability to get on the floor in the playoffs for Boston down the stretch. I, I, I kind of hedge on what I what I think he'll do and what he should do. But what do you what do you think he should do? Um, I think he could probably get more than five million from some team. Will he get it from a team that's contending or the team that was a few minutes away from the finals? Mm-hmm. And what's what's more important to Enos Cantor right now? That's the question. And here's another thing: like, there's no guarantee that if he does opt in, he's not traded, right? Because that's a five million dollar expiring contract. That's valuable. Um, so uh, I. I think because of the uncertainty about the next uh, CBA, five million in hand is worth, you know, uh, potential worth a hypothetical ten million in, out in the bush. He probably opts in, and I think Boston. I mean, because in small doses he was a good backup, but if Boston gets an upgrade somewhere or they have to attach him to uh, somebody, another player for salary to make a trade with deals. He has, you know, I think Cantor is probably self-aware enough to understand the business, you know? Yeah. He's been around now. He's bounced around a couple of teams. He understands the business a little bit where he, I don't think it'll be the end of the world if he, you know, and it, sure, the fans like him, but it's not like they would riot if they trade Cantor. So, uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I feel he probably opts in and, you know, Boston does what they need to do. I feel that. For sure. For sure. And then uh, we got to talk about our last two guys. Uh, one, my personal favorite on Boston, Semi Ozile, uh, and then the other, Brad Wanamaker, both of which is unrestricted. What are your thoughts on those two? I think Brad Wanamaker had a strong season um, with Boston. Uh, he is 30, I think 31. Um, you know, not really a super great shooter, but, like, he gave them some good minutes, particularly in the playoffs. And then Semi is just one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, I don't really know if he's of any, like, real value now for Boston, but, like, another big kind of muscular body. He takes a lot of threes, doesn't make a whole lot of them. But, like, what do you think of those two? So, um, again, Juan Waker is one of those guys. I'm with you. I liked him a lot this season. I like both these guys a lot this season. But mm-hmm. you're, you're saying that you're trying to build a contender. These guys are great for the regular season. And, yeah. I, I, you know, Brad even had a couple of nice playoff games. I just think when you have playmakers like you got Kemba, you got Jason Tatum wants the ball in his hands. You want Marcus Smart back on the bench. Just to say you bring Gordon Hayward back off. No matter what, Gordon Hayward's on the contract. He's either going to play or get traded. I just don't – I think it's a crunch. And I, I don't think uh, – I think I think Brad Watermaker's probably a little he's, – he's on the outside looking in. And same thing with Shemi. Uh, I like Shemi. I like the fact that he provides um, – you know, he can defend bigger guys. But if he's not making shots, he's about useless. And <laughs> I, just, I don't think he makes shots at a high enough rate. And, you know, there's too many times he's like – yeah, he's fine one on one against Giannis for a couple of plays, but you don't you don't spend money on a guy just to guard, you know, another big body for five minutes a game. You just don't do that. So I feel like Shemi, uh, especially with Jason Tatum's giant contract coming up, you already got uh, Gordon Hayward on a max deal, Campbell on a max deal, Jalen Brown on a barely big deal. You it's numbers crunch, and I think that both those guys are gone, which is kind of sad though, because I think all teams need guys like that, minute eaters, good locker room guys. 
fun guys. Like, you know, it seems like the team teams really like, like both those guys, but I think yep. they, they both have to go, I think. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. And I mean, it's it's sad, but you're right. They just need upgrades that position. Uh, the the it, you can't have where the bench is a big weakness, and yet both those guys were a big help off the bench because like you want to shore that up. So I'm definitely with you. I hope that Brad Wanamaker finds another spot in the league. Uh, definitely for someone who played a lot overseas. You know, he's proven that he's at least an NBA level guard. And then Semi, uh, we'll have to see what happens with him. But I, I like the guy too. But um, moving from that to the future now. Uh, draft picks got future assets. Who should the Celtics pursue now. This is the last of their uh, trade haul from like a mix of the Nets and other trades they made. Um, they own the 14th, the 26th, and the 30th pick in this upcoming draft. And, you know, all over, you know, we talked about their bench, and I've been reading um, some mock drafts and kind of seeing like who would be available. And they've gotten people from uh, Precious Achua at 14, who's like a, a versatile big, who's uh, a lob threat who could run pick and roll with shot creators. You have uh, guys like Killian Tilly, who's a uh, a lottery talent, but it got some uh, injury history. Um, this is one guy that we talked about a little before we came on, uh, Kira Lewis Jr., who, you know, averaged 18 points, five rebounds, and five assists a game, and, you know, hit 36% from three. But, like, I know you have some thoughts on him to talk about him. And then uh, I feel like Precious Achu was someone that people have talked about for a little bit. So, like, who are you thinking about in general for, like, archetype-wise, player-wise, whichever you like, who the Celtics should target? And, like, what do you feel about those names out there in terms of a uh, 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 you know, rim running big like a Precious Achua and a guy like a Kira Lewis Jr. I mean, a rim running big is what you have in Robert Williams already. Uh, you right. already got one project. You, so and this <laughs> is where this is where the Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown kind of like you know leveling up kind of uh, accelerates everything in Boston because like they don't really have the time or roster space to be developing rookie level guys. Sure, you can bring a young guy in to help out the bench. But you, it, to bring in rookies, rookies by nature are normally just bad. Even if the production, the production looks good, they're usually just like not helpful to winning. So it's that's where it's really tough, man. Because now it's not about all right, bring in some rookies to come with Jalen Brown and Tatum. Those guys are approaching their prime, and they're both really good. So it's not about developing. Now it's like, well, we just got to East Conference Finals. We're trying to win, and rookies probably aren't going to help us win. Mm-hmm. Um. The uh, what's the kid's name? Uh, uh, Kira Lewis. Kira Lewis, like that's great, but he's gonna need the ball in his hands. Yeah. Uh, Boston needs scoring and shooting, but they don't want somebody just to dominate the ball. And this it's such a this is such a fluid thing, man. Because like Boston last year ran an offense where they shared the ball kind of, and then in key spots they try to get like Jalen Brown or Jason Jason Tatum the ball, you know, off of a pin down or whatever and attack. But for the most part, they you know, the ball moved and they wanted to attack and drive and kick. Well, Jason Tatum's not that kind of – he's a superstar. He's going, I'm sorry. He's a, mm-hmm. a burgeoning superstar where you're not going to have him just moving off the ball and taking 15 shots a game. You want to get him 25, 22, 23 shots a game. Yeah. Brown, you want to get him 18, 20 shots a game. I think things are going to change a little bit. And around those two guys, you want shooters, you want defenders, you want rebounders. And, of course, you want some playmaking. Kimber Walker. Kimber Walker's – I think he's gonna have to take a tertiary role and be like that 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 third level playmaker. Same thing with Gordon Hayward, who's really good at that role. So I think any player you bring in now, you don't want to be ball dominant. Um, I mean, like again, like that rim running, that's great. Shot blocking, great. You want that. You need more of that, but you don't have really space for a rookie to do that. Um, a point guard who attacks like John, like John Morant, that's great, but like that's not what Boston needs. They need shooting, and they need some. I think they need some veteran help off the bench. 
So, I mean, in, in my perfect world, they, they package those picks with, I don't know, either with, either with players, uh, you know, some of those things expiring or whatever, and, and they make a move and either move up and take one guy and then stash him, you know, or if they find somebody to help. But they just they definitely need shooting. They need shooting and scoring off the bench. And honestly, even that, look, Romeo Langford's going to come back, and that's going to be his job. So Boston doesn't need a lot. They just need some very specific things that I don't know if they're going to find it in the draft. I, I feel you on that, and I agree. And it's also like you have to take into consideration that um, Boston has a, a lot of guys coming back under contract already. And yep. so when you bring in these young guys, you know, they're not going to get a whole lot of minutes. Um, and even though, you know, you have potential cheap help on that, you already have, like you said, prospects, Grant Williams, Robert Williams, Romeo Langford, Vincent Poya, who may not return, um, Carson Edwards, uh, and probably Javante Green, who's gone. But that's still a lot of young guys. And, I mean, you, you don't have the, the time to play them. And if you get those guys, you still – I mean, let's say with Hayward in the first-round picks, let's assume that Cantor Green and Ozley are gone. That's still 15 players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's – it's honestly, I, I wouldn't be mad if they package those picks. Uh, so uh, you, you hate to hear selling picks. So that's just kind of wasting bites at the apple. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Um, and, and I honestly, even, uh-huh. go no, go ahead, please. I was going to say, I would even like package a bunch of them to move up. You know what I mean? Like, like I'll take, I mean, in a draft that, you know, there's no, there's no clear number one and it's kind of weird. I would say like, if I could, I don't know which team would do this. I'm just giving an example. Like, the 14, 26, and the 30th. I'll give another team more bites at an apple in a draft that, you know, could be role player heavy in exchange for, like, the eighth pick. At least someone that could step in that, like, has the potential to be more of an impact player. So, you know, you know what concerns me about that? And I, I agree with you because I would rather Ainge move up because Ainge has shown he's a little scattershot when he's picking in, in the teams in the late 20s. Like, you know, that's when you get, um, wow, what's that kid's name? The, the kid was supposed to be a shooter, and they picked him on, like, I don't know, like, I think 17th. And he, Ooh, he was Desmond out. Bain? No, this was a or, couple years ago. Oh, his dad was a, his, Yeah, his dad was a coach in the NBA, I mean, in the, co- in the college ranks, and he played in college for his dad, and he's supposed to be like, I don't Oh, know. Doug McDermott? No, no, he, the Celtics drafted him. He was, um... I got uh, to look this up in real time. Yeah, I, I got <laughs> nothing. But um, the point is, yeah, he's Ainge swings and misses a lot when he's picking in the mid, in the teens, in the twenties. And like, if if you can't really hit a short, Ainge drafts well, but just not in the mid teens in the twenties. So yeah, I'm I'm fine with him packing them somehow, moving up, and maybe getting a guy who could help this year. I'm just yeah. not I'm not really up on the college kids, so you have to love, you have to tell me who. Oh yeah, I mean I would I I'm looking if we're talking about like a, a shot creator. Or someone of that. I would even say, like, let's just, like, let's look at point guard. Let's try to get a, a point guard that, you know, it has some length, can play alongside, um, you know, in like a big supersized lineup alongside um, Jalen Brown and, and, and Jason Tatum. Someone who could uh, potentially take over for, you know, um, Kemba Walker down the stretch. You want shooting. So, uh, if the guy can bring you some shooting, then that would be that would be great as well. So like, for me, I'm still kind of figuring this out. But like, like a Killian Hayes would be an interesting guy. You know, uh, a young dude. He's a guard. He can kind of swing both ways. He got some 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 size on him at six five. Um, 
uh, Devin Vassell. I mean, he's developing, but he's someone that is a shooter and is a good defender at 6'7", another kind of wing player that you can deploy alongside those guys for Boston. Um, That's who I'm kind of looking at. I wouldn't say Isaac Okoro because defensively, yes, the guy's good, but offensively, not so great. Definitely needs to improve his jumper. Um, A Tyrese Halliburton, that'll be nice. He has like a, a interesting shot, if I remember correctly, but like, Again, a, a really good playmaker, in my opinion, and I'm still kind of working on my kind of draft coverage, one of the best playmakers in the draft easily, and, like, someone who at 6'5 has great playmaking ability. So, like, I, I guess I would focus on those. And, again, all these guys, with the way that the Celtics have it now, uh, will presumably be gone by the time Boston comes up to bat. But, like, if they do package those those picks, I think that would be smart of them to do so. Or, or even a player that can kind of fit salary-wise, that could be more win now. I wouldn't know, but that'll be my mindset because you want to kind of buttress that bench a little bit, but at the same time, you're not going to be able to do what the picks you're getting. They're not going to be win now players, and you don't have those guys off the bench right now. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, I'm with you as far as the move up. You know better than me about this kind of talent that's out there available. Um, and I just – when you say a playmaker, like, great, Halliburton, that's what Marcus Smart is, right? He's a playmaker – I just want somebody. Who, I, I would. I would much rather a knockdown shooter. Uh, you know, maybe he's like shoot off movement a little bit, and 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 not be a not be a, a a black hole defensively where guys can just you know rack up buckets. So I know. I know it's that's in a perfect world, but I guess we'll see. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I guess that. I mean, we kind of covered their their plan of attack. As far as free agents, do you have any idea of like a guy you want Boston to pursue? Um, in general, like at the minimum or something. I mean, it's going to be a weird kind of lackluster free agency class, at least uh, in my opinion. Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to rack my brains. And this, I know you asked me about this earlier, and I should have done the research, but I didn't. Oh, no. You, um, <laughs> I mean, I can run. I mean, uh, yeah, right, give me a couple names out there. Okay. So, like, for guards, for. Um, so, I'm just going to run through a, a list. I mean, you got uh, Jeff Teague. As a point guard, um, I mean, he could get no, below. No, thank four. you. Okay, there you go. No, um, yeah. Garrett Temple on Brooklyn will probably go back. Um, Tyler that would be Johnson. amazing. He'd Garrett, be, Temple. Garrett Temple would be, yeah, he'd be amazing. He'd be perfect. Okay, okay. You have a, a, a guy like uh, Dwayne Bacon in Charlotte. I don't think that's good. Um, um, so I like Dwayne Bacon, but again, he's, a, he's unproven and he hasn't really shown too much improvement. You said Tyler Johnson. I like Tyler Johnson. Yep. I don't think he's the kind of uh, uh, like he's he's fine, but that's that, that's like all right, we swung and missed three times, maybe Tyler Johnson. So what what else? All right, so here's one I'm interested in. Well, let me get one out the. I don't think they can get him, but defensively at least he'd be nice. Offensively, I don't think uh, Boston would make the most of it. But Chris Dunn. Um, again, yes, that's the problem. Like defensively, it's great, it's fun. Guards are the guards. He's basically uh, a worse version of Marcus Smart. You know, so that's what, what do you, and he, and he can't shoot, you know, so, exactly. <laughs> so, so not yeah, getting anything there. that's true. Yeah. Um, one guy who had, I thought he had a pretty solid postseason, um, and could be available. Trey Burke. Um, yeah, him or, uh, Alec, uh, Alec Burks, both those guys would be nice little pe- In fact, where did Trey play last? Uh, Trey was with Dallas. Uh, yes, Trey's fine. He's, it's a nice piece off the bench. That'd be a, that'd be a good get for them. Like de- dependable scoring off the bench, not scared. That's that's a good pickup, I think. That would be a good pickup. But again, every play, every every team in the league is looking for that. So I, I don't think Boston has much to offer more than like the the uh, the the vet minimum. So I don't know. 
That's true. And then I got three more. So uh, Brandon Knight, Austin Rivers, and Alonzo Trier. Hell no. I'm Brandon, <laughs> I'm Brandon Knight. I'm sorry, dude. Brandon, he has I shooting, think, but yeah. No, no, no. Ever since DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan dunked him into the afterworld. Oh, he's wow. A, he's been a shadow of his of – his, he, he's just been a – he's one of those players that you kind of – you feel kind of bad for because like he's probably a good guy, but he's just not a very good basketball player. Um, yeah. I would really like uh, Austin Rivers because okay. I think he, he's shown he can shoot. Um, he, he's a he's a pretty scrappy defender, not great or anything. Again, he's undersized though, and you know I don't think he's a dead eye three point shooter. So that, that's a that's a good pick. That's a good one. And who's the last one? Um, I think who did I say? It was um Alonzo Trier. Oh no, thank you. No. Okay, and actually, you know, just thinking. Uh, okay, so. We kind of going by those guys. Um, even a guy like I, I, I don't want to say like a Yogi Fer. I'm looking for like a guard who can shoot. But well, like all these guys, all, my yeah. Problem with, my problem with Trier is that Trier showed that he could put up good, like decent numbers on a bad team. But there's a reason he didn't very play very much. There's a reason teams didn't want to trade for him. I know the Knicks were kind of maybe holding on to him, whatever. That's where oh well, we don't. But no, he's just not that good. Yeah, and that's the kind of thing. It feels like this. This market out here is just – it's not ideal for what Boston needs. I mean, you're kind of screaming about the barrel with certain guys. One guy I think would be interesting just because of how I liked him in Phoenix who could potentially be available, uh, Cameron Payne. Honestly, man, after watching him in OKC and watching him in Chicago, again, I'm uh-huh. No, okay. I get you. He played well in Phoenix. He had a spark. Now, is that shooting definitely probably small sample size theater because, I mean, it was over eight games. But, like – yeah, yeah I that's my thing. That. I, I've seen like three other years of him before, and no, I'm good. I feel I'm you good. Want. Yeah, <laughs> he just, I, I maybe maybe turn the corner, and maybe maybe they could take a, I don't know, give him a, a, a preseason roster invite or something, mm-hmm. you know. But yeah, unless you, yeah, yeah, he was he he did he looked really good in for those eight games, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm but good. you said it, <laughs> just eight. Yeah, I feel you on that. All right, so um, as the stuff is going to next season. I, I, I put, is this a championship or bust year? Now, I now obviously it's not because as long as you have Jason and Jalen as young as they are, um, in long term, you'll be fine. But, like, uh, there's definitely another year of contention around those two, you'd say, right? Um, Yeah, man. I think, I mean, uh, Jason Tatum is going to get that rookie max deal or the, you know, the first max deal. Um, rookie extension. He's going to get that rookie max yep. extension. He's going to sign that. Jalen's under contract for another, you know, well, he, his extension, I don't think, is cooked in yet. He's got that big extension. So, you, as long as you have those two as your core, you're pretty much good to go for the, you know, next couple of years. But, I mean, if we all know this is the fear now, right? Like, when's that, what player has stayed with, stayed with his original team, like, for his career? You know, Dame, Dame has done it so far. Steph has done it. Yep. Every other superstar that's out there, you know, has basically swapped teams. That's kind of, I can't think of anybody who's done it. So, the Celtics know they're on the clock. Um, there's no such thing as a, oh well, we have a year to mess around. You don't have a year to mess around. Uh, and they've already been to the to the brink of the promised land. Almost, you know, the brink of the, they've been to almost to the, to the they've been to the brink of the finals. Uh-huh. Anything less than that next year is going to be a disappointment. You know what I mean? So. And that's yeah. even with the East getting stronger because I mean, let's say Philadelphia, they're, they're going to take a step back, and Toronto, we don't know what they'll do, but like Miami was already there, Milwaukee presumably would be there, and then um, we don't know where Brooklyn's going to land with KD and Kyrie, but I'd imagine in the upper echelon, you would still consider hey, man, that. I, I, you know what? This no matter what happens around them, 
I'm pretty sure you ask everybody in Boston next season if they don't at least get to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. How do you feel this? It's going to feel like a disappointment because once you, it's almost like Pandora's box. Once you open that box and you reach a certain level, anything less than that level is going to feel like a failure. You know what I mean? So yeah, no, I get you. I get you. And again, again, like again, I think fans, even fans, didn't expect this season, so it's cool. It's a magical ride. It's all, it's all gravy. Next season. The expectations are there and you know that everything changes a little bit so we saw that boston didn't react very well to pressure you know against the heat so let's see what they do against the pressure next year of it's being you know being expected to win how they bounce back yeah it's gonna be important to see for sure all right so i mean let's just uh run through last just some rapid fire superlatives i'm a sucker for those so i i just kind of threw some together i mean kind of first thing comes to mind um Obviously, the best player. Actually, I guess it's not obvious, but that nah, kind of is. Best player on the Celtics. Oh, it's obvious. It's Jason Tatum. Okay, cool. I, I hope you're going, eh, you can make a case. No, you can't. Um, okay, worst player. And from that, I mean, like, either your own opinion, uh, one who gets, you know, some relative minutes, but, like, you're looking like, hey, you're not ready, dude. Um, either, ready. either Poirier or uh, Carson Edwards. Okay, I feel you on that. Yeah. Now, follow-up just on that. Of those two, who do you think is – I mean, Poirier probably doesn't have a future left with Boston, so I guess he's the guy out. But, like, you can see Carson Edwards moving away from that spot, or do you think he's kind of is what uh, he is? No, if he just he's makes shots. Shoot. If he makes shots and he show, he's proven, like, he's, he's, he's had games and streaks and college he made shots. If he can make shots, then sure, he can be a spark off the bench if you need. But, yeah, this year he was just bad. I feel you on that. All right, so um, play with the highest potential. Um, so my head wants to say Jay, Jason Tatum. Jason Tatum yeah. looks like he, he could be an MVP discussion for the years to come. Yeah. Um, but then I also, I mean, I have a almost a rational love for my boy Jalen Brown, man. Jalen's incredible. I feel uh, you, man. <laughs> I love his athleticism. I love his, like, you know, like his big moment was he, just, he dunked over LeBron James' head. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, he just went for it. Yeah. Um, and against the Heat, he, he had moments. So this is, again, we'll go back to Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. I think against the Heat, Kemba should have automatically been your tertiary player, and they should have went to Jalen Brown way more because I think we saw late in the series when they just let Jalen Brown attack. And, you know, it was, it was, it was, he had a mismatch against Duncan Robinson or uh, Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero or Jay Crowder. He was killing all of them. So they, they turned to him a little too late, I think. So, um in my heart, it's him, but in my head, I know it's Jason Tatum. Yeah, okay, so I feel you. I mean, that's that's solid, and, and, and you're right. Both of them have that that leap, although you're right. Jason, to me, is that is that guy, although Jalen, as long as he's around him, you know, will become, a, I don't want to say a perfect sidekick, but someone who can develop in his own right, but will kind of be, like, under that lens. But um, moving on from that, a player who is most likely to be moved next season. Ooh, move next season. Um... Uh, so I, I'm gonna say probably Gordon Hayward. Like if he's if, most likely as far as like that contract will be huge. Um, so unless he unless he opts out and takes a, a longer deal from Boston, which is like all right, he's home. Yeah, he he has a good chance. Or right behind him, I'm gonna say is probably Cantor if he opts in. Okay, I feel you. That's gonna be interesting. And then um, a player folks are really sleeping on uh, up in Boston. I mean, it's kind of weird because I feel like you kind of see all of them, but like. I mean, you can make I'll, a few cases. I'm going to say Romeo Langford because, again, I, I, I think the fans outside of Boston didn't get to see him much at all this season. He barely played because he, he he had, a, I think, a, 
had, he, I don't know, he had maybe a knee injury earlier, and then he had that, you know, he had to get surgery in the in the playoffs. He missed the end of the playoffs. Um, so yeah, I, I say probably Romeo Langford. He's 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 like six eight. He's athletic. He's shown, uh, you know, still not a shooter yet, but I think he, I saw he had a couple threes, a couple games, and he's a much better defender than I thought he was. And so again, in a league that that values versatility and you know. Wing 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 depth is such a big thing. Having him off the bench is gonna be a big deal, and I think he's gonna surprise people next season. Okay, I feel that. All right, so I gotta get to my. Uh, I call. I call. I said you. You know, in the no, I said you kind of decipher this how you will, but the no, 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 yes player. And I, example for me is uh, as a Lakers fan, you know, between uh, 2010 and 2014, that was a uh, piece for me. A guy that's like, what in the world are you doing taking that shot or whatever, and then. He goes in, you're like, hey, that's my guy. All day I ride for you. You know, like, who is that on Boston? I have a feeling I know, but like, I mean, I you already know. Yeah, no, it's, it's, Mark, it's Mark. It's Marcus Smart. Guy. It's Marcus real, Smart. Though. He's he. So at, there, there were times when he was, you know, the second, the second best player on the court. And even he had games like against that Toronto game where he just hit all those threes in a row. Like he's he's a, he's he's a wild card, and I mean that like the the, the Charlie Day on it's always something for Duffy wild card. <laughs> where it's not maybe it doesn't always work out the best, but it's always coming from a good place. He's always gonna play hard. He's absolutely that player. I feel you on that for sure. He does. He he puts it all on the line. He put on his sleeve, and you're right. Whether the results are, are great or imperfect, you'll live with them. But um, I feel like these last two. I'm just gonna throw them together because I kind of feel like they're interchangeable. But like the top two players that you go to when the game's on the line. I made that two from one. It's, it's not uh-huh. interchangeable. I'll tell you this. So on really? offense, okay. oh yeah, on offense, I'm gonna go with Kemba oh, okay. and Jason Tatum. Actually, right. Jason Tatum first, because so Tatum's that guy now. He is. Yeah. Kemba's. I mean, hey, heart attack Kemba, man. I mean, heart attack. Uh, cardiac yeah. Kemba. Heart, cardiac Kemba. Yeah, heart attack Kemba. <laughs> he uh, yeah, tried cardiac it. Kemba. <laughs> for a reason, you know, he's he, that step back is vicious. Um, when he's healthy, I, I feel like maybe we're gonna hear about him having like an arthroscopic knee surgery or something because he seems a little bit. It, when you're at that level of player, you lose three percent, you lose five percent of your speed. It shows, and he just seemed a little—he had a little less burst in the Heat series than he did. Yeah. So, uh, Jason Tatum, obviously, with his size and his shot-making ability and his his uh, the way he gets that separation with that sidestep, and then Kemba on offense, and then defense is gonna—that's easy. That's gonna be my boy Marcus Smart. Um, he has some of the quickest hands in the league. He's just—I mean—he's he's just an unreal defender. Uh, when he wants to be, he's locked in. He's not worried about his offense. And then Jalen Brown, man. Jalen, as an on-ball defender, is really, really good. He just needs to really start working on his off-ball awareness. He gets back cut a lot. He loses his man a little bit. So, uh, but if we're talking about a, you know, a clutch defensive possession where he's on the ball, I'm, I'm happy with Jalen on the Brown ball or smart on the ball. Okay. Now, see, I, I, I messed up on both of those because I felt like Kemba was top three for me, but like I, I have a feeling that Jalen Brown is actually going to move into that as the second uh, player behind Jason Tatum. And then defensively, I made a horrible mistake and just left on Marcus Smart because I'm slipping. I had uh, Jalen and Jason on that end. So, yeah, that's a big-time switch. Huh? How dare you? I know. I know. I'm Listen, it's late on your end. It's late on my end. I think I looked at my notes and I got fuzzy. That, that's what I'm going with. That's the story I'm sticking with. Uh, but you're right. Oh, like, wow. both of those guys, I appreciate that. Both of those guys, uh, Kem on one end and Marcus on the other, you have to go to. So I'm with you on that. Um, Man, James, this has been a lot of fun. You have any, like, 
parting thoughts on Boston in general, things you want to leave people, you know, thinking about? Well, you gave them a lot already. It's just fascinating watching this team over the years. They went from the, the Isaiah Thomas plucky kind of feel good, fun story where they overachieved year after year. They had the underachieving year with Kyrie, and it's like that was just a joyless slog of a year. And then this year was a real bounce back, and I'm just I'm really uh, fascinated to see what the next level is, right? Because once you, you you can't always be that hey just happy to be here team. Yeah. And I think Boston just kind of like warp speeded through that part to now. It's not fun in games. It's not just a fun story. They got a guy who's legitimately knocking on the door of being a top ten player. They got a a second guy who's knocking on the door of being a top twenty player. And they got Kemba Walker. Like the pieces are kind of the big pieces are there. It's, it's going to be fascinating to see how Danny Ainge and the front office put it, the put the surrounding pieces in place to try to win a championship. So, yeah, it, it's real in the field for Boston. It's put up a shut up time, and uh, I think that's what we get. And I, I, I think with that, we're gonna call it a wrap. Uh, James, I appreciate you coming on and and talking to me here for a while about Boston. I know you wrote up a a piece here. I'm looking forward to reading. When I'm done, a big piece, too, on uh, Bill Russell and not only the records that he broke on the NBA court, but the massive work that he did off of it. But aside from there, where else can they find you uh, aside from that work and um, on Twitter, of course? That's about it, man, because I'm, I'm kind of like I'm uh, I'm out. I've been put out the pasture. I'm uh, I'm just on oh, NBA no. Twitter. I'm like the uncle on NBA Twitter, just in the background laughing and having fun. And um, I might start a podcast up here soon again. So keep an eye on that. But for right now. You can find me on Twitter at Snotty Drippin. Instagram, same name. That's just a lot of foolishness there. And then, honestly, yeah, hopefully I'll be back on this podcast sometime soon. Oh, I was about to say, man, you say you're going to be hanging out. That's the worst thing you want to say to me because uh, I'll have you on again and again, bro. We got all season stuff coming. I'm looking for co hosts. Like, you, you don't want to tell me that, man. I'll get you here. <laughs> I'm down for it, bro. I love talking basketball. I love the sport, man. And, and that's one thing I think stepping back from the writing and the podcast and like I, I kind of reclaim just like the regular level of, of watching basketball without being analytical, without having to write a gamer, just yeah. like watching basketball. So it's pretty cool. So, yeah, man, let's let's do it again sometime. Hey, you know, it's a wrap. I got you on, man. Open invitation. It's settled. I'll hit you up in a few. But uh, thanks a lot again, man. I appreciate your time. As far as y'all find people, you know where to find James. Y'all know where to find me at Corbin NBA on Twitter, uh, Hoopball Presentation. So, again, I tell y'all. Hoop-ball.com on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets. And honestly, that's all I got for y'all, man. I got James Bill Frosty. I'm staying Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. I'll talk to y'all real soon. All right, y'all.